Hello, and welcome to RD and the Inbetweens. I'm your host, Kelly Priest, and every fortnight I talk to a different guest about researchers, development, and everything in between. Hello, and welcome to episode four. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Warren Speed, who's a postgraduate researcher in the University of Exeter's Graduate School of Education. Warren takes a really interesting and I think innovative approach to research ethics in his project. He talks about research ethics as going beyond the processes and procedures that we have to engage with to meet university ethical requirements to what Warren terms an emergent approach to research ethics. Warren, are you happy to introduce yourself? Uh, so my name is Warren Speed. Uh, I'm studying a PhD in education and I look at uh, fundamental British values uh, with little bits of the prevent duty and I look at how schools apply this agenda uh, across the, across the uh, regions of England. My conference um, has come about from my PhD um, although it wasn't expected. The conference I've uh, got funding for um, is to put on a research ethics conference where it brings together people who are uh, from various different disciplines, it's cross-discipline, cross and also from various universities and also outside organisations to get together and to present papers and to attend and listen and do workshops about everything and anything to do with research ethics to kind of open up um, conversations around things like, for example, I'm a social scientist, so for example, things that I wouldn't have thought of, which animal, uh, um, like animal ethics people do, and it's about trying to get those types of um, that, this ethical kind of stuff uh, together. So how did this come about in terms of your research? So what, how, how is it that you got so interested in some of the, the challenges and the discourse around research ethics? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a few things, really. So my background um, was I used to work for a teaching union um, for about 12 years. And my role mainly within this union was a qualities officer. So within Devon, uh, mainly, I was the quality officer for, for schools um, around Devon. Um, so I always had a thing about uh, equitable kind of rights, equality and ethics, making sure that everybody was treated equal uh, and fairly and respectfully uh, at all times. Um, the other thing was during my PhD, which looks at fundamental British values, it's got really deep roots into counter-terrorism within schools. Um, so I had to be very mindful of that and mindful that um, participants might not want to get involved because they might, they might have their own concerns and worries about it. Um, and since thinking along those lines of, of that, I my ethics, awareness of ethics got greater. And as it got greater, I got a lot more interested in it. So now my PhD doesn't just have an ethics section. The entire thesis is all about um, fundamental British values and research ethics and how I've applied ethics in an ethically minded, very emergent, ethically emergent approach within my PhD. Yeah, so I think that the thing that really in, has interested me when we've talked about this in the past is that idea of um, emergent ethics. So the way in which ethics is embedded into the research process rather than it being an, an approval process, I guess, that you go through at the beginning. Can you talk a bit more about that and how and, and what that means in terms of your research? 
Yeah, I can. I actually wrote a paper on this. Um, so I looked at I looked at uh, what was happening in regards to the procedural ethics or institutionalized ethics. So things that were going on uh, that within the university and that the university uh, wanted you to do in order to get ethical approval. And you had to jump through some hurdles. You had to look at some guidances and forms and things like that. And although I do agree with it, and it does definitely have its place, I know I've always thought it's never enough. There was never enough done um, in order to uh, to really truly be ethically minded whilst conducting research. So procedurally, people will fill out an ethical application form, and that application form uh, gets sent to an ethical panel, and the ethical panel will decide whether or not that, that ethical, ethical application form um, is sufficient enough for you to carry on your research. Once you've got that approval, I was curious as to know how many people actually went back to re-update their ethical approval through the data collection or research process. And I found out through contacts at the University of Exeter that actually it's not very many at all. And they actually can't think of any, any people that have actually had to go back and re keep on redoing it. So I had massive issues and concerns around that because I was thinking when you're conducting data, surely your ethics or your ethical standpoint should change because you're meeting people, you're building rapport and friendships and relationships, whatever, with participants. Therefore, this, this should change the dynamic of your ethical approach. And, and this is why I thought taking a very emergent approach whilst um, applying complying with procedural ethics was very important the emergent approach allows me to um to, to to really think about as reflectively as i'm going along the the kind of the ethical dilemmas or implications not even ethical successes that are um are coming ahead of me or happening at that time and the things that i need to do to change them um or how and yeah the other thing I used to do, well, still do, actually, because I'm still collecting a little bit of data. Um, but through the process, I've spoken to my participants as well in regards to kind of the ethics. And is there anything specific to that school that ethically I should know about and how I could ethically support them? Um, because I have a variety of schools with a variety of backgrounds. Um, and by asking them that question, uh, it, was, it was quite good, actually. I managed to get quite a lot more information I never would have thought of that I could put into my ethical um, kind of writing, my processes and my application forms. So the, an emergent approach uh, is, I, I highly recommend it. It's very beneficial um, and it, it really puts yourself and the participant, the human participants in my case, at the centre of your research ethically. I think ethics is, it should be the centre of your research. Without the ethical clearance and not doing things properly or respectfully, you can't actually have, uh, I don't think, a very a sound, ethically sound piece of work. Yeah, and I think there's something in that that really resonates with me as somebody who, as an academic and researcher, was always working with, with people and certainly as an arts researcher, a, a kind of a strong awareness of and presence of kind of and, and reflection of your subjectivity within the research um, and I've always considered that to be about about the methodology but also about the ethics of the research is about being making clear about your place and perspective as the researcher and how that frames everything you're doing and I think there's something really interesting about this difference between that you've that you're calling procedural ethics yeah. and that emergent ethics which is 
sort of really speaks to me as you know a, a form of ethical reflective practice yeah and it's something to me that i find quite odd doesn't actually happen um, this is a reason why I want to put this conference on, um, yeah. is to start these conversations to say, look, the, you know, procedural and institutionalized ethics does have its space. Mm -hmm. It really does. Of course it does. It, and, and also it, the university has to mitigate itself against any issues and, you know, anything that might happen. You know, there's legal requirements there as well. So it has to happen. But uh, I'm hoping that this, the conference will start opening up these conversations to say, look, everyone, we need to start looking at ethics, not just in an emergent way, but also in a very innovative way. The world is changing quite a lot at the moment. You know, we've got a lot going on. We've had, you know, we've had, we've had very controversial things happen in the UK. Like we've had Brexit, we've had you know, change of prime ministers, we've had the COVID-19. We've had a lot of things happening. We've got, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is happening at the moment. We really need to not just be very static in what we do. And the only, the, one of the negative things I think about procedural ethics is which the university you know, or institutionalized ethics is that we are expected to follow a specific or recommended um, ethical guidance. So for example, the, G the Graduate School of Education, we want, we're told that we need to look at, we should be looking at as a, you know, is, is, the, is BIRA, the British Educational Research Association ethics. But that is very static. It's only stuck at a certain point. And I think it's up to the researcher to really go as far as they can consistently through their research to start looking at innovative ways of how they can be ethically, the research can be ethically minded the entire time. Um, and it doesn't happen. And I know it doesn't happen because I've spoken to uh, colleagues, both um, academic uh, colleagues and PhD academic colleagues, and, uh, and I've had these conversations with them and they just don't. One of the things I've been told, which does, uh, it, does an, it does annoy me, I say is that when PhDs, for example, need to update their ethics, they should keep on putting it through to the ethical panel and the ethical panel should be approving it. That's what they're there for. That's what they should be doing. And it also keeps a paper trail, keeps everyone safe as well. Um, but I've been told by senior academics that, oh, the, you know, the university doesn't have time for that. People don't have time to do that. And my, uh, my response is, so what? It's your responsibility to do it. It should be happening. We should be owing our participants and ourselves and the university, everyone involved in the research, the utmost respect. Um, but we, and I don't, I don't necessarily think it happens all the time. No, and I think there's a number of things in there that I think are really crucial for me in terms of, because this is, you know, this is something that's quite new to me as a topic area and that sort of thing about ethics not being static because the world isn't static and research isn't static. We know that research is constantly evolving through the, through our research processes. So why would our, why would our ethical standpoint or our ethical approval or ethical methods, why would that be static if we know that the research is in and of itself ever changing yeah i mean it, it, ha it has been like that it is it is it is static but i don't think it's static for for anyone's fault no particularly i just don't think we have there's not enough training that goes on at for, for at all levels undergrad mm. masters phd right up to professorships and there's, there's not enough uh training that goes on on ethics we need training right from the beginning of our of studying when we look at looking at um human or data or tissue or animal ethics whatever we need 
if we need ethical training right at the beginning to just say to us look you do have to do procedural stuff it, it is static but it is a star you know you don't frown on yeah. it it is good you do need it but you do need to take a very emergent approach and that comes from you as a person the university and whoever can't do that it's individually yeah. and then you have to ask the question i guess who is going to make sure that that particular phd uh, or the person doing the PhD is taking an emergent approach. Do they do that themselves? Do the supervisor check on it? Does someone from the doctoral college do it? I mean, it's not built into the um, the AMS stuff within the university. We don't have any. We don't have anything. Nothing exists, which I find strange. I find it really odd. Yeah, and I, I th and I really hear what you're saying about the difference between, you know. Because I guess the the message that came back to you from that senior academic is about the, I guess, the administrative or workload associated with the resubmission of and the, the kind of emergent approach to ethical approval um, and, and confusing that sense of of workload and box ticking with the actual, the fundamental kind of principles of the way that we operate in this environment and I can see you know I can really see how this approach to emergent ethics would be crucial not just in terms of conducting research but thinking about how we operate and treat each other as a community yeah I mean I do find it really odd that we <laughs> we don't have emergent ethics properly no one really talks about it I can't believe, and I know I loved, I'm always up for doing conversations like this all the time, but I still can't believe I have a conversation, I'm having conversations where I'm still trying to promote this or still trying to yeah. talk about it. It's really strange that this just doesn't happen. And I think that the university, uh, well, all universities, not just us, so everybody, all of them, we, we need to do more. Yeah. I mean, we have, we've got great resources. We've got great people in, at the university where we are at the moment where we've got, we've got the governance and ethics manager. She's brilliant. She's yes. so good. She's so good. And she is, she's always got work to do. Sure. That says that there is, you know, there's so, if she's always got work to do, there's more scope. There's more things that we can do within ethics. And there needs to be more people to support this person within her role. I don't think many places take it as serious as they want, if they, as they would make it, would like us to think. I think they just, um, they just do it because I think they have to do it. Yeah. And, that's, and it's not enough. And it's disrespectful to participants or it's disrespectful to any living thing that you're, you're doing research on. How is the conference going to challenge some of these kind of fundamental um, issues and flaws in our sort of system in the sector of, of approaching research ethics? I mean, I don't think it's much, I don't think it's about challenging it. I think it's about starting to open up conversations. Yeah. I've, I've done a, look, a bit of a look around to see what kind of conferences go on in regards to research ethics within the UK or England. And there isn't any, I haven't found anything. So I'm trying to open up that debate and conversation to get people to start sharing their stories, to open up networks. But what's even more important is keeping the conference free so it's accessible, but also making sure that we invite, actively invite organisations within the Southwest to come along for free and to apply for a bursary if they need one or if they're, or if they're um, self-employed or something, where we can, we can have uh, academia, academia uh, or academics and we can have these professionals and organisations um, or, or skilled trades or whatever coming here 
to have or come into the conference to have these conversations i mean we don't we don't know what's going to happen within the conference because it hasn't ever happened yet um but what's really important is starting to open these conversations and start to start to ask questions about how we conduct our, our research ethically um that way yeah so op opening up the conversation and getting people to think more about the way they approach ethics within their own research but also outside as well yeah outside their own research cross discipline um looking at everything and because we don't we i don't when, when do we ever get the chance to I don't get the chance, for example, to speak to someone to do who looks at human tissue or mm. someone looks at animal ethics. I'd love to. I would love to be able to take something away that I would never have thought of, which actually would work, or would work as a form of a model which I could adapt to fit within my social science research. And I and I think I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to start opening up these really really important conversations because we owe it to the the participants or the or animals or to other living things organisms whatever we owe it you can't it's we can't just take it we can't just do ethics uh or do an ethical application do a tick box and get on with it and never look at it again i think that is i think that's unacceptable it's a responsibility of course it is yeah, yeah. and if you're doing research you you, you should want to feel responsible for uh, the living things and the participants, etc. You would want to make sure that these people are safe or these these things are being respected. It's complicated, but you can do something about it, even if you don't understand it. So by having these conversations, challenging kind of the status quo on ethics, challenging the ethical panels, challenging why the, the organisation or academic institution isn't doing enough for ethics. I think all you need to you need to look at everything and constantly think and challenge. So you don't ever have to understand it. You just need to be making an effort to protect yourself and, and everything else, I think. So aside from our, our responsibility to those um, involved in our research, whether those be human participants or animal participants or tissues, what, what has this kind of sense of emergent ethics brought to your research? Like what, you seem to sort of be saying by having those emergent ethic ethical conversations with individual schools you were you were getting at more information so what's the kind of the the benefits that you're reaping of having that emergent ethical approach i think it's the outcome of my research so my research following this process my research followed a completely different path now than what i thought it would do so i look at um instead of looking at all the negative things which i was going to do i was going to look at negative and positive things about fundamental british values in schools and put it together i thought there's there was no this just what does that add it doesn't really add anything it's not it's not you know it's nice it's, so i'm thinking if the researchers if the participants are part of this research let's celebrate what they say and actually let's look at all the positive things that they do let's share best practice let's look at all the great things that is going on so it takes an appreciative inquiry approach so I'm trying to avoid all the negativity that comes with it and focus on the things that they consider that works well within what it is I'm looking for or looking at and in, in the hope to share to share stuff. So I think because I, I opened up my ethical, well, I opened up ethical discussions with my participants, this is what I got out of it. There was too much negativity that surrounds it, but it's something that I wanted to look at. So I had to question myself and think, do I need do I, does my, does my question, do I need to look at all the negative things? And the answer is no, I don't. I can, I can look at the things positively in an appreciative approach, um, which is what I've done. 
The other thing is, uh, is I've got Ofsted as well, who, are, who I've met a few times. They've come to, um, they've come to Exeter to meet me, discuss my research, because they like the approach that I take with it. Wow. And we've also, yeah, and we've also, and I've also got so the funding for the conference as well. But um, the the many of the schools that I've got with, they want to, or they're looking. Some of them are looking at waiving anonymity. They want, they want, they want to be known within the research because they have the approach that I'm taking. And I think that's all because of the ethical process I've, I've, I've I took, or I'm still taking. Um, which basically informed me that I shouldn't be taking a negative or looking at the, uh, this discourse kind of negatively. I should be celebrating the great work that they do. So, and I, and it's, it's come about that way. Um, and it's just, I'm quite, I mean, I've got a lot, I've still got a lot of work to finish off with all this, but it's, um, it's done me really well. Um, and it's built up some really great relationships with different organizations um, and groups of people. Um, and also my relationships with the participants is excellent. It's really good. Um, and they're always positive to add more and get involved. And that's because I've kept them within the process. So they've, they've been part of the, the, the methods, the, type, the way I collect the data. They've been collect the part of the, kind of the, the ethics. Um, they're going to be part of the, uh, the, at the end as well. They've all got a chance to write in the thesis about something wow. they would write about my, about the, sorry, about uh, the, the research and, and what it is they've learned and how they're going to do things, might do things differently or, or that type, and that type of stuff. So the ethics stuff, it, it it gives you, I think it benefits you in, in more ways than what you actually might think. It's not just ethics and looking after people and respecting people, participants, but it's also about the other, the other bits that I talked about, um, like, like the approach that I've taken, the appreciative inquiry approach. And that, that I think for me, that goes hand in hand uh, with ethics, taking appreciative inquiry approach. Yeah, and it, it sounds like the, the impact of the research is, has, is going to be so much more wide ranging with the way that some schools are potentially waiving anonymity and sharing that best practice. Yeah, it is. And I was just, I was just, that's what I was just thinking now. The other thing is, is the ethics stuff is still going on right now because of the COVID-19 thing. Mm. So we're saying, well, I've still got some information to collect from some of the, some schools and teachers, etc. Um, but I have to ask myself, is it ethical for me to ask teachers now yeah. if they were interested and carry on with the research or do I have enough time to do it where I could wait and I am waiting I'm not going to put any more pressure on them they're already under a lot of pressure I used to work for a teaching union I also used to be a teacher uh, and I can imagine the pressure they're on and I don't think it's ethical for me to continue right now to collect data that's why everything's on a hold at the moment yeah and I think particularly um with covid and the way that the world is shifting again these things are going to become more and more crucial because the ways in which we conduct research and the environments in which we work in and the pressures the pressures that we're under all of that is shifting yeah. so massively at the moment yeah and, it, and it's shown as well um doing the phd with um especially with teachers around schools in the regions of england uh I, what i do is i keep i touch base with them um asking if they're how they are asking if there's anything they would like me to do to support them so i'm doing a few things to support some schools at the moment uh mostly is that around is around my research but 
creating some sessions with uh, with the teachers there to, to try and support them. And sometimes it's just touching base with them and asking if they're okay and that type of thing, just so they know, you know I haven't forgot about them, they're still there, but there's no pressure, they don't need to, to get involved in the research yet. I know that they know that they need to do it, there's things <laughs> that are left to do, and I know that they're waiting. Uh, and they know, yeah. It's just being respectful, isn't it? I would, was that, I would say, is that ethical or is that just respect? <laughs> um, yeah, there's something, you know, some, perhaps somewhat, somewhat ironically, given the kind of fundamental British values that you're researching, there is something about a fundamental value system within this, in research, about respect for those that are involved in our research and care as well. Yeah. There seems to be a huge amount of care in the way that you're approaching this. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I think it's important. I, I do know there's loads of people that do have, who do care, but, oh, I, yeah. but, um, but, there, but, but equally there are, you know, and I don't want to, you know, there are quite a few people that just, it's just a hurdle. Yeah. The, the quality, the ethics or, you know, it's the respect, it's just something they do because they want to get the research done, not because they actually care about it and, um, and it sounds horrible but I know this because I've had conversations with people about this and I don't I, I do challenge them on it a little bit but I don't go into it too much but it does sometimes I do have to feel like I need to hold back and I, I try very hard to hold myself back before I say something that I probably I probably shouldn't say um because I don't want to make I, I don't know I have issues with it a yeah. lot and it's I guess it's finding the right environment in which to challenge that yeah yeah and the conference would be the perfect environment <laughs> to yeah do that. absolutely so when is the conference planned to take place okay yeah so the date is now the 26th of march it'll be around that date we've got we're getting everything ready we've got a team of people um who are already on it which is brilliant um i am going to put another call oh, well, i'm going to put my first call out for anyone who wants to join the team and that's like that is for us everybody that's uh, staff and students we've got we've got a mixture of staff and students on the team as well um but yeah 26 it'll be all day um but what what i want to try and do is to get some organizations in with um some uh, phds and academics from various disciplines or related disciplines to the organization before the conference to do some workshops uh, so we can and trying to promote and highlight the conference and also to support organizations as well um, with uh, with anything that they might need support with either it could be writing something or a poster or it could be just a networking session um, and then on the day we're going to have a mixture of um, papers it's going to be organizations uh, local uh, the south institutions from the southwest so bath bristol ue exeter plymouth um, who are invited um, and academics and students as well it's, it's everybody to just open up conversation and at the end uh, we we have a drinks reception and that'd be fun and is there somewhere online at the moment where people can find out information or keep keep up to date with the conference or is that forthcoming so it's that's been made we've got someone in the committee at the moment um, who is responsible for social media and the website the website is, uh, we've got a landing page, but it's not, we haven't published it yet. It should be published, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And that'll be uh, www.researchethicsconference.co.uk. Um, and then that'll be up there. And then we've got, we've got Twitter and Facebook pages as well. So imagining that someone listening to this 
who hasn't really thought about ethics much beyond the kind of procedural institutional processes. Yeah. Um, what would you say to them? What, what do you want, what questions do you want them to ask themselves or to think about? I think they just need to think about taking it slow when doing ethics. It isn't a hurdle, but I think they do remember, they have to remember that it is something which is going to affect your participants. It is going to affect them. They're involved in it. As soon as they're involved in research, it's going to affect them some way. You know, it might be, might not be good or bad. It might be, well, it could be anything. <laughs> and I think it's just about making sure that you're mindful of the type of people or the type of um, or person that's involved in your research and also speaking to them. You know, you can't, you can't do ethical, you can't complete an ethical application without finding out if there's any ethical concerns from your participants, <laughs> but you can't access your participants until you've got ethical clearance. So you, know, you have to get ethical clearance, then you should speak to your participants and do something like a pre-visit or a pre-talk or something like that, anything, and just and about and build rapport like you should be doing but take some time to really ask them, is there anything that really worries you about this research? Is there anything that I can do that um, might make you feel better? Um, is there any support that I can give you? And you know, that type of thing. And I think it's just take, take your time that every time you have an interaction with a participant, just reconsider, does anything need changing? If it does, change it. And don't forget to write it down in your thesis. Thanks Warren for what must be one of the most illuminating discussions I've ever had about research ethics. I think the thing that's stuck with me the most is the fundamental thing that research isn't static. So why is our approach to research ethics static? And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and join me next time where I'll be talking to somebody else about researchers, development and everything in between.